Hi there, and welcome to the Thursday edition of Transformation Radio. I've been running through rain that I thought would never end. Trying to make it on faith in a struggle against the wind. I've seen the dark in the broken places. Oh, but I know in my soul, no matter how bad it gets, I'll be alright. There's hope in front of me. There's a light I still see. There's a hand still holding me. The storm you finally find Where the hurt and the tears And the pain don't fall behind Stacy. I'm 24 years old. I'm from Mount Vernon, Ohio. Started out playing sports in high school and hanging around with the wrong crowd eventually led to drugs. Came to the refuge to seek a better life and to better my relationship with God. Um, when I came to the refuge, I wasn't too sure about it, but 
seeing the brotherhood and the love that all these guys share with one another was just amazing. Um, the refuge has totally changed my life. It's restored my family. It's given me hope, given me strength. And uh, most of all, it's, it's, gave, it's given me a sense of self-worth. And the refuge is, is, is awesome, man. You, you get to learn what it's like to have a relationship with God. And if you continue that way, only, only good things will come out of that. We now turn our reading to the New Testament, and today we'll be looking into the book of Acts, chapter 2, verses 1 through 47. The Spirit came, not because the believers prayed, but because the day of Pentecost had come, the day appointed for the birthday of the church. He baptized the believers into one body, so that they had a living connection with their head exalted in heaven. But the same Holy Spirit assisted the believers in their church fellowship. The original group was outnumbered by the new believers, but there was still harmony in the church family. They worshipped daily and witnessed daily, and, the scripture says, the Lord added to the church daily. Is your experience with the Lord a daily one? Well, with that, let's begin our reading in the New Testament. June 4th. The New Testament, Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 47. On the day of Pentecost, all the believers were meeting together in one place. Suddenly, there was a sound from heaven like the roaring of a mighty windstorm, and it filled the house where they were sitting. Then what looked like flames or tongues of fire appeared and settled on each of them. And everyone present was filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other languages as the Holy Spirit gave them this ability. At that time, there were devout Jews from every nation living in Jerusalem. When they heard the loud noise, everyone came running, and they were bewildered to hear their own languages being spoken by the believers. They were completely amazed. How can this be? they exclaimed. These people are all from Galilee, and yet we hear them speaking in our own native languages. Here we are, Parthians, Medes, Elamites, people from Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus, the province of Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the areas of Libya around Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. And we all hear these people speaking in our own languages about the wonderful things God has done. They stood there amazed and perplexed. What can this mean? they ask each other. But others in the crowd ridiculed them, saying, They're just drunk, that's all. Then Peter stepped forward with the eleven other apostles and shouted to the crowd, Listen carefully, all of you, fellow Jews and residents of Jerusalem. Make no mistake about this. These people are not drunk, as some of you are assuming. Nine o'clock in the morning is much too early for that. No, what you see was predicted long ago by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my Spirit among all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. In those days, I will pour out my Spirit, even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. And I will cause wonders in the heavens above, and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and clouds of smoke. The sun will become dark and the moon will turn blood red before that great and glorious day of the Lord arrives. 
but everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. People of Israel, listen. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and his prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to a cross and killed him. But God released him from the horrors of death and raised him back to life, for death could not keep him in its grip. King David said this about him, I see that the Lord is always with me. I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. No wonder my heart is glad and my tongue shouts his praises. My body rests in hope, for you will not leave my soul among the dead or allow your Holy One to rot in the grave. You have shown me the way of life, and you will fill me with the joy of your presence. Dear brothers, think about this. You can be sure that the patriarch David wasn't referring to himself, for he died and was buried, and his tomb is still here among us. But he was a prophet, and he knew God had promised with an oath that one of David's own descendants would sit on his throne. David was looking into the future and speaking of the Messiah's resurrection. He was saying that God would not leave him among the dead or allow his body to rot in the grave. God raised Jesus from the dead, and we are all witnesses of this. Now he is exalted to the place of highest honor in heaven, at God's right hand. And the Father, as he had promised, gave him the Holy Spirit to pour out upon us, just as you see and hear today. For David himself never ascended into heaven, yet he said, The Lord said to my Lord, Sit in the place of honor at my right hand, until I humble your enemies, making them a footstool under your feet. So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter's words pierced their hearts, and they said to him and to the other apostles, Brothers, what should we do? Peter replied, Each of you must repent of your sins and turn to God, and be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. Then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. This promise is to you and to your children and even to the Gentiles, all who have been called by the Lord our God. Then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day, about three thousand in all. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions, and shared the money with those in need. They worshipped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Today we're reading Psalm 122. Verses 1 through 9, where it says, Let us go. 
Well, do you really rejoice when you have opportunity to go to God's house and worship Him? We today can travel easily to a place of worship, but the ancient Jews had to walk a pretty long distance. Yet the pilgrim was happy to go to God's house. And it says, Let us praise. How the people loved Jerusalem. It was a holy place because the temple was there, an honored place because David's throne was there, and a happy place because the tribes were there to celebrate the greatness and goodness of God. And then we'll see where it says, Let us pray. Do you pray for the peace and prosperity of the people in your local house of God? Do you pray for God's people, Israel? See, there can be no peace in our world until the Prince of Peace rules His people and there is peace in Jerusalem. Psalm 122, verses 1 through 9. A song for pilgrims ascending to Jerusalem. A psalm of David. I was glad when they said to me, Let us go to the house of the Lord. And now here we are, standing inside your gates, O Jerusalem. Jerusalem is a well-built city. Its seamless walls cannot be breached. All the tribes of Israel, the Lord's people, make their pilgrimage here. They come to give thanks to the name of the Lord, as the law requires of Israel. Here stand the thrones where judgment is given, the thrones of the dynasty of David. Pray for the peace in Jerusalem. May all who love this city prosper. O Jerusalem, may there be peace within your walls, and prosperity in your palaces. For the sake of my family and friends, I will say, May you have peace. For the sake of the house of the Lord our God, I will seek what is best for you, O Jerusalem. Proverbs 16, verses 19 and 20. Better to live humbly with the poor than to share plunder with the proud. Those who listen to instruction will prosper. Those who trust the Lord will be joyful.
Hi, this is Doug Schatzky, director of Phase 2 of the Refuge Ministry. I'm here to kind of give you an overview of what Phase 2 is. Um, I, I typically tell guys who are coming into Phase 2 from Phase 1 that we're kind of a combination between Phase 1 and Phase 3. So one week you'll be on the farm in Lancaster, and that's kind of like Phase 1 where we do a lot of teaching and relational things. And then one week you'll be in Columbus, just like you're in Phase 3, working 40 hours a week, um, just kind of getting back into the groove, learning how to be a responsible man of God, working, um, you know, and like we say, it's a hand up, not a hand out. And so that helps provide for your stay and for the stay of those uh, coming behind you. Um, so one thing we do in phase two, as always in all phases, is we continue to cast the vision of the refuge, which is not only men's lives changed, but also vision 2020, um, 20 responsible men of God owning 20 homes in the Franklinton Hilltop area by 2020. So we really just continue to, to cast this, <clears throat> excuse me, vision before the men, um, and see who God is planting that seed in their heart uh, so we can just help prepare them for the things to come and the opportunities that they can have to possibly own a home and help change the west side of Columbus for Jesus. Um, you know, I always, always say this is kind of a weaning back into the real world phase. Um, so we don't just take guys out of the world and then throw them right back into the world. And that's why it's a week in Columbus and a week in Lancaster. So they can go to, you know, they start off in Lancaster for a week and then they get their bearings a little bit about how phase two is going to be in Lancaster. And then they go to Columbus um, and then they work and then they see, you know, deal with the, the feelings that they're having. And, and um, you know, they wrestle with some struggles. And I always, it's always great to hear them come back and having had some struggles because then they learn how to deal with these struggles um, in a, without using drugs or alcohol or turning to the, the bondage and the vices of the world that they had turned to prior um, to overcome these things. And so that's why I say it's a weaning back into society process because they can go to work, but then they can come back and kind of um, review how things have went, process it, say, okay, you know, it's still a little bit of a struggle, but, you know, I can overcome this. I have brothers in Christ that are helping me with this. And then also encountering the Lord and, and help, you know, him and the Holy Spirit really helping them to deal with this. Um, so, you know, some of the greater purposes of phase two um, also would be to, to really grow deeper in a relationship with God and a relationship with others. You know, even Jesus said, you know, the greatest command was to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and equally as important was to love your neighbor as yourself. And so, you know, these men are living together 24-7, and when we're in Lancaster, um, we're not out working all the time. We're doing a lot of classroom time and just a lot of time together. And so these men are learning how to deal with the, you know, the good, the bad, the ugly, all the warts and, and uh, you know, <clears throat> things that are tough in life you know, and we struggle through relationships, but we move on. And that's, that's where we grow deep in relationships with one another. Um, and we also try to try to grow deeper in relationship with God. First of all, through worship, every Friday, we go to worship, um, throughout the week, we have worship times. And, and definitely we believe that 
and in genuine encounter with the Holy Spirit, that's really where we're changed. I mean, when the presence of God comes upon us, um, we really stand in awe. And that's, you know, really some of the times where we know that we know um, that God is real and that um, we are broken and that we have a need for him. And he helps to wash over us and to change us. We also, um, we also grow through teaching. You know, I definitely, you know, it says people perish for lack of vision and some places say knowledge or wisdom. And so we really just, you know, a lot of people don't do things just because they simply don't know. And so, you know, we do a lot of teaching, uh, kind of continuing with what first phase was teaching, um, some of the same series. So first, you know, first of all, we do more teaching on what is the church? Um, and then, you know, so guys can have a greater understanding of, of biblically, what does the church say? Not just a building that we go to, but we, as the body of Christ, we are the church. Okay. And then also we, we continue teaching, um, to help men deal with issues that are common, not only to men, but Christians in general, but specifically often that are, that are, um, issues that men deal with. Um, and so, you know, some of these could be, you know, idols, sexual issues, marriage issues, family issues, um, you know, and just trying to help them have a greater understanding of these things. Um, also, you know, I've been working towards making sure that guys get plenty of one-on-one time. Okay. And I believe that a, that a weekly time when they're in Lancaster, that this is just so important. And I've been working towards, you know, having a general, you know, kind of an assessment type questionnaire where we can really just dig deep into many areas of men's lives to find out, you know, where their fears, their greatest struggles, their areas of unforgiveness, um, and just things like that. So we can, so we can really just help them to, you know, as James says, confess your sin to one another so they can really just get it out. And, and also really just to pinpoint past hurts and problems that they have, um, that they want to overcome and work towards, um, healing and restoration. Um, this is also really importantly, the phase where relational reconciliation, um, with past hurts that you've, um, placed on others can begin because this is the phase where you can start having phone calls weekly and then also in, in writing letters. And then once a month we have family day. And so that time where they can see their family, um, once a month is really where a lot of this healing can take place and they can have some of these conversations and, and really just begin to see each other in a new light. And so that, and then, and then at, at the end of the ministry, um, at the end of the second phase, before they go to phase three, they can do a resolution to their family, really just committing um, to be a responsible man of God and to take care of their family as they should. And so I really feel like that phase two, kind of to sum it up, is a foundational season of grounding before going to phase three.
Hi, this is Larry, your friendly case manager here at The Refuge. I'm here today to share with you a new feature that will become part of our transformation radio. This new feature is called Affirmation. Affirmations are a way of describing and recognizing accomplishments and growth and just plain good things happening in the lives around us. Of course, we'll be primarily focusing on the lives of the men going through the refuge. The initial affirmations will probably be coming from some of our staff members, but we want to encourage each and every man going through the refuge to look to their fellow brothers and see where affirmation can be made, where affirmation can be made to encourage and to support and and to recognize accomplishments that we see in individuals' lives and in the way that individual is affecting the lives of those around them. This morning, I would like to recognize Kevin McDowell. Kevin is a very hardworking, dedicated individual. He is looking for ways constantly, not only to improve his own life, but the lives of those men that he interacts with each and every day. He is certainly a servant leader, as is what his title is, over at the Burrell House. He interacts with the men not only at the Burrell House, but at the Sullivan House also. He is constantly looking for ways to do things to make the lives better of those around him. For this, we salute and recognize Kevin and hope that his example will continue to inspire those around him. So once again, we encourage you to look around and see who you can affirm, who you can give encouragement to, and who you can recognize for having touched your life and the life of those around you. Please contact myself, Larry, or Becca, and we will be happy to work with you to affirm your brothers.
That's it for today's podcast. Thanks for listening, and be sure to tune in next time to Transformation Radio.